the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two is underway now, 10 minutes past 10 o'clock. We were late getting out, and we're a little late coming in. Apologies for that, but I really do want to help out uh, Chris Gore. And I'm telling you, she is a Tea Party patriot. She is a supporter of President Trump. She is a supporter of all things conservative. She volunteers her services. But you know what? She also is in business. We believe in capitalism, and she is trying to earn money for her services. Facebook screwed her big time. She made up this tremendous shirt design. She is a printer. That's what she does. She prints shirts and flags and banners and cards and and, and uh, clings and just about everything. But she made up this terrific shirt to uh, commemorate President Trump coming to Wellington on Saturday, which is exactly where her lo- uh, shop is located. So since Facebook won't let her sell them there, you stop by her shop on your way into Wellington for Trump's rally on Saturday. 101 West Herrick, H-E-R-R-I-C-K Avenue. Use your uh, GPS. Wellington's a little tiny, uh, uh, very rural town, a glorious town, though. Great people, very quaint, very cute. Um, but you got to find it, 101 West Herrick in Wellington. Get your shirts on the way into the Trump rally since Facebook blocked her account after she created that design. If you're looking for more info, call her at 440-647-1515. 440-647-1515. This is not a paid commercial. This is just, I'm trying to do something right for somebody who deserves to have something right done for her after what Mark Zuckerberg and his minions are doing. All right, let's bring Kersenow on now. Without further ado, Peter Kersenow is normally our Tuesday guest, as you know, but it is Wednesday Kersenow today. Pete had some obligations yesterday. He's been kind enough to come on and adjust his Wednesday schedule to be with us. Peter Kersenow is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, has been the longest-serving member of that commission, and he's also a Cleveland attorney, a best-selling author, and columnist as well. Hey, Peter, how are you? I'm doing great, Bob. All right, Peter Kirsten, it's good to have you as always, my friend. There's a lot of ground here to cover, and I know you have some other fish that you want to fry. But I want to start with the uh, the uh, the uh, For the People Act that the Democrats have been pushing and pushing and pushing and trying to generate support for, trying to get some Republicans to come over uh, to flip to their side uh, to support this federal takeover of voting rights to stop individual states from uh, from conducting their own elections as they see fit, including those that are shoring up election integrity efforts and making it easier to vote but harder to cheat. They called this a Voting Rights Act, and of course when the Republicans blocked the procedure yesterday to advance it from uh, uh, going further and, uh, and having debate, they said the Republicans, of course, are suppressing a bill that would ban voter suppression. They're trying to make this into the Republicans trying to stop minorities from voting. And you say what? I say that almost everything that you hear coming from Democrats in the media, but I repeat myself, has been a flat-out lie. And I don't say that casually. Um, as you know, the Civil Rights Commission, one of the things that we have jurisdiction over is voting rights. Mm-hmm. And we've had, I don't know, in, in the 20 years I've been on the commission, I don't even know how many hearings we've had on it. 
And despite the fact that we've had so many hearings on all manner of voting rights issues from voter ID to redistricting, you know, the preclearance provisions, um, all of those things, the, the best intelligence I've ever gotten on voting rights is from my fellow commissioner, Jay Christian Adams, uh, just appointed a little over a year, uh, uh, about a year ago. And uh, I had him on your show, by the way, when you uh, kindly let me substitute, and he explained all of the deficiencies, and that's putting it mildly, with respect to H.R. 1 and S. 1, SB 1. Uh, these are for the Democrats Act, is what it's about. And it completely and unconstitutionally disrupts the uh, state's abilities to conduct their own voting systems. And most importantly, it just completely, that's an exaggeration. I want to be like a Democrat, but it significantly eviscerates voting integrity protections. We could talk about this for the next few hours. Bottom line is, all Republicans did vote against this, even with the Manchin purported compromise, which was not much of a compromise, despite what the media says. It, it pretty much would bake into um, voting many of the deficiencies that we saw causing all of the problems in the last election. There would be virtually, again, don't want to exaggerate, but it would significantly increase the probability that there would be voting irregularities, the ability of uh, people who aren't entitled to vote, aren't qualified to vote, um, are not, don't have the right to vote, to vote, voting possibly in multiple jurisdictions, all of the protections to ensure voting pr integrity, the major ones, would be eviscerated. Uh, it's, it's nuts. Now, simply because Manchin has come back and said, okay, uh, we're going to have some type of voter ID, take a quick look. And I haven't had a time to examine it in great detail, but just doing a, a, quick, a cursory review of it shows that this is a giant joke. Um, with respect to voter ID, my goodness, it doesn't even require something as simple as a government-provided ID, okay, which the Democrats claim is just voter suppression because people, even though it's free, uh, they say, well, it still costs money because you have to travel to get the ID. Well, you can get it mailed to you, among other things, but my goodness, is, if voting is that important to Democrats, if it is that important, and it is, you mean someone can't go to the neighborhood wherever the thing's going to be distributed, and believe me, it's going to be around the corner. They can't go there and pick it up. It's, this is simply an attempt to increase the ability of Democrats to cheat in an election. I, w I would never have thought I would have said that three years ago, something like that, something that bald. But the fact that they are lying so much about it gives the game away. Uh, this is something that Republicans so far have stood firm against. They should be extraordinarily suspicious if Manchin or anyone else comes back with another alleged compromise. This thing needs to die a violent death, basically. And among other things, there's a whole constitutional issue. Since when does the federal government dictate voting uh, requirements for states? Right. It's just, this is so bad on a host of levels. This doesn't merit debate. I'm glad and McConnell at least said it's dead in the water, but they, I think Republicans, and many of them have, wow. but all Republicans need to be more vehement in their opposition to this. It's, it's dead in the water in this form, in the form of H.R. 1 and S. 1. It, what's not dead in the water is their backup plan, which is called the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Now, I've been looking to find some differences. You mentioned J. Christian Adams. Uh, you know, he, he described it this way. He said it's even worse than H.R. 1. It will put Washington bureaucrats in total control of our election. Um, uh, the Department of Justice bureaucrats will have complete 
power to veto all election changes from voter ID requirements to changes in polling places and our states must continue to run their own elections. Power should be kept with the people, not with the swamp in Washington. So I, I don't know the difference, really. And maybe there isn't much of a difference, but J. Christian Adams says that the John Lewis uh, Advancement Act, as it's called, um, is even worse than H.R. 1. And that yeah. one's, still, that one's uh, still in the pipeline now, then. Yeah, I, de- I defer to a Christian on this because he is the maven and when it comes to voting rights. Listen to him whenever he speaks about this. He knows what he's talking about. He litigates in this area. He was a member of the voting rights section of the Department of Justice. Uh, I don't know of anyone who knows it better. And he does not suffer fools grad- gladly. I'm so happy to have him as a commissioner. But, uh, uh, again, this is a return to pre-Shelby County kind of days. Um, understand, if you are a Republican out there, you will go the way of a dodo bird if this gets passed. If any form of compromise is is achieved on this thing, I'm afraid that Republicans, as they very often do, will have the rug. It's, it's like Lucy with the football. But I don't know why they think they need to pass something. Yes, they get berated by the media and by the Democrats, but again, I repeat myself, but that's par for the course. They need to stand their ground and say definitively, affirmatively, vehemently, no. And then start passing some voter integrity protections, small ones here and there uh, at the state level where we're capable of doing it and where it should be done. Because what we saw in the last election, one of the reasons why we had this, this tremendous uproar is because... A significant percentage of Americans, and I don't know what the current percentage is, believes that there were significant irregularities in the election, if not outright stealing of the election. Now, you can come to your own conclusions as to whether or not you know Trump won or lost, and I know if you, if you even question it, the media and Democrats, but I repeat myself, think that you've committed the greatest sin in the history of the world. The yeah, big lie. Four you've years, advanced the four, big yeah, lie. Right. Exactly. But for four years, the same folks were telling us that Hillary won, and, and there was no problem saying that, and it was a patriotic thing to do. Bottom line here is, if we want to maintain a constitutional republic, we have to have voting integrity, and these bills at the federal level do nothing to protect such integrity. Peter Kirsten now joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll stop with that declarative statement. We'll come back, and we're going to talk a little bit about wokeness in our military. It is a disaster in the making. We have talked about this in the past, but I don't know that it has been any more clear than when Tom Cotton questioned the highest-ranking naval officer in the U.S. Navy. We'll have that and Kersenau's reaction next on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it is 1023. We continue now with Peter Kirsten. Now, Peter, I want to shift gears and I want to talk. You and I have spoken a lot about critical race theory. We've spoken a lot about anti-racism. We've thought, we've spoken a lot about Ibram X. Kendi. Uh, I want to talk about this in the context of our military now. I am terrified of us getting into any kind of a, uh, physical war with, uh, with any of our enemies right now. Uh, we better be good at diplomacy because I feel like our military is going to be perhaps at its weakest level ever because it's not focused on preparedness. It's focused Focused on wokeness. This is Senator Tom Cotton talking to the highest-ranking uh, uh, naval officer, Admiral Michael Gilday, Chief of Naval Operations, about the implementation of critical race theory in the Navy. I want you to listen to the question and then the answer, and get your reaction, Kurt, Peter Chris. Now, I just want to give you a sampling of some of the things that are included in books like this uh, that 
the notion that Sorry, a little background here. T- Senator Cotton is talking about books that the Admiral has put on the reading list for sailors and ensigns all over our Navy. Books that he wants them to read and become familiar with. Capitalism is essentially racist, and racism is essentially capitalist. That the only remedy for past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy for present discrimination is future discrimination. That some individuals, by virtue of his or her race, are inherently oppressive. Uh, or privilege, while others are victimized or oppressed, uh, that individuals can bear some kind of collective responsibility or collective guilt for the actions committed by members of his or her race. Um, Admiral Gilday, how did these books get on your reading list? Sir, I chose a variety of books. There are over 50 books on my reading list to give our sailors a wide range of, uh, of information from which I hope they can make fast, facts-based decisions on uh, both their ability to look outwardly at uh, potential aggressors like China and Russia, as well as looking inwardly and being honest with ourselves in areas that we need to improve. In talking to sailors over the past year, it's clearly obvious to me and others uh, that the murder of George Floyd and the events surrounding that, the discussions in this country about racism, which go back for years and years and years, um, are still a painful part uh, part of our culture, and that talking about them, understanding them, is the best approach. Um, and that and that offering books like Kendi's for people to read, and they don't have to agree with every assertion that Kendi makes. I, I don't uh, I don't accept every assertion that Kendi makes, and I wouldn't think that. Uh, that all sailors would as well. But all right, I'll stop it there, Peter Kirsten, now to give you time to react. I, I, if I'm Tom Cotton, I'm sitting there going, how can you agree with any, not every, but any of the assertions that Kendi makes in his book on anti-racism? Go ahead, Pete. Yeah, taken to its logical conclusion, why not assign Das Kapital or, um, you know, Mein Kampf? I mean, th- this is just nuts on steroids, and we have to call it out for what it is. This, th- this man is the chief of naval operations of the United States of America. And typically, I do, I never, hardly ever criticize the military. Hardly ever. This is, this is nuts. It's craziness. It will destroy the United States of America. We're having, first, it's bad enough that it's K through 12. Now it's in our military. This is going to erode unit cohesion. It is designed to do precisely that, to undermine the United States of America. And nothing could do it more readily than having a military that is exposed by the chief of naval operations. When he does it, it's not simply saying, hey, here's a signed reading list. The presumption, of course, is this is something of which he approves and thinks you guys need to absorb this and, and make it part of your life in the way in which you operate. It is a poisonous, poisonous document. More importantly, it is flat out stupid. I would, I don't want to sell any books for Ibram Kendi, but if you can read passages online, I would advise some of your listeners to go, if you want to have a, a, a laugh or maybe even get angry, read this stuff. You probably get a laugh because it, it is sophomoric. I've read it. I don't know if too many people have actually read all of it, but it's, when you read it, you go, wait a minute. People are actually accepting this. This is being uh, taught in our schools. Who made the decisions to do this? And generally, I think the dynamics are that because I agree with George Floyd probably prompted much of this, this kind of no soul-searching and hand-wringing and, oh, my goodness, we better do something, self-flagellation. And then without knowing the contents of Kendi's book or Robin DiAngelo's book or any of these other tracts, they simply, as a matter of penance, 
decide to make them a part of the assigned reading list and are exposing our kids to something that is more damaging and more dangerous than anything we've faced in our lifetimes. That's not an exaggeration, and there's a reason why thousands and thousands of parents across the tens of thousands are out there demonstrating at school boards. They are apoplectic about this, that our kids are being, but now we're talking about our military too. There's not going to be any kind of esprit de corps or military cohesion when some of the uh, unit members are considered to be oppressors and others are the oppressed. Why you would want to defend a country that is so hateful is beyond me. And this has permeated military academies. It's now in the military, the CIA, the FBI. Um, no greater danger has the United States faced since the end of the Cold War than this. And perhaps it may be the greatest internal danger since the Civil War. We must purge this, talking about purge, this needs to be purged. This needs to be faced wholesale, um, all hands on Pete, deck. Pete, but, real sure quick, that- but real quick, who's going to do the purging? He's the chief of, uh, of the Navy. He is the highest ranking officer in the Navy. And what he is teaching is agreed upon by the Pentagon chief, uh, Lloyd Austin, which is agreed upon by the commander in chief, Joe Biden. Yeah. All of our Election top de- level commanders are, are, are behind this nonsense. Elections have consequences. They surely do. Joe Biden is out there with his rule that funds critical race training to the tune of billions of dollars, K through 12. We have to pay attention to these things. Unfortunately, you know, we're fighting a rear guard action. This is moving with such alacrity. Um, and they are insistent upon this because this, they view this as one of the great wedges, one of the great opportunities of all time to inculcate the United States of America in Marxism. That's not an exaggeration, because nope. that's what we're looking at. It, no it is cultural Marxism and economic Marxism. It is Gramscian Marxism. This, this kind of stuff, if it persists much longer. Remember, it's just two years ago, when you and I talked about the danger of the 1619 Project infiltrating our schools. Here we are two years later. It is already done so. Right now, I, I'm, I'm, I was supposed to be down in Columbus to testify on the bills that are being considered by the General Assembly, uh, one of which I at least had partial responsibility for for drafting. Um, Can't do it because of my work schedule, but these types of bills throughout the country are imperative. At the local level, people need to be vigilant. They need to check what's going on in their schools. They need to address their school boards. We see a lot what's going on in Loudoun County. Uh, You know, I was involved in that at the very inception of it. Because this, I can't think of something more important than I've been involved in as a member, member of the U.S. Civil Rights Commission in my, time, my tenure on the commission. Um, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you were recently. I'm glad you were recently appointed to another term because um, because it, this isn't. This is going to be a long fight. This is a long yeah. slog. What we're talking about. You're right. Elections have consequences, and right now they have the next four years to establish this, at least from the executive on down. Hopefully, the legislative body can change in uh, just a year and a half. But uh, for now, we've got a long way to go to fight the CRT when our top level government officials at the executive branch are pushing it. Peter, let me get a time out here because I want to come back and I want to talk about the Olympics. But not in a good way, but we're going to talk about the destruction of women's sports by the woke, the same wokesters who are destroying the U.S. military. We'll explain that and get Kirsten Howe's reaction on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1036 now. We continue one more segment with Peter Kirsten 
Pete, the U.S. Olympic trials are underway. They've been going on now for a few days, I guess. I did see some of the swimming trials uh, come across my TV screen. And, uh, of course, Tokyo, the Olympics are coming up a little bit later on this summer. One of the competitors in women's weightlifting is going to be a man uh, who now calls himself Laurel Hubbard. Um, This is a former men's weightlifting competitor who has been identifying as a woman since age 35. He's 43 right now, and he has made this team for the New Zealand weightlifting team. Some of the responses to this uh, include, of course, from the LGBTQ community, good job, and they hope she does a great job and wins uh, medals, taking them away from actual biological females. But other responses include this from Olympic medalist Sharon Davies. <coughs> she is a swimmer, <coughs> excuse me, Olympic swimming medalist. And she declared, we have men and women separate competition for a big reason. Biology and sport matters. Separate categories give females equal opportunities of sporting success. She went on to say that um, the International Olympic Committee is, uh, is to blame for the unfair rules. We wrote a letter signed by 60 world-class athletes in 2019. We met with them in 2020, telling them why the rules were not fit for the purpose. It was glaringly obvious this was going to happen. Why did they carry on regardless? So athletes are not happy. There was another criticism from an actual weightlifter who's going to have to compete against Laurel Hubbard. Um, but um, away she goes. Apparently, wokeness is not just an American trait. It is an international trait, and it is going to be on display in Tokyo. Your thoughts? Well, um, <laughs> what can you say about this? Uh, you know, when I speak around the country, one of the questions that I've been posing to the audience is, uh, do you get the sense that in the last couple of years, the country and now the world has gone absolutely insane? And it's not a rhetorical question. People actually think that there's some a virus in the air or something that's causing people to completely lose their minds, whether it's a woke virus or a fear of cancellation virus. But this is self-evident. Uh, anybody who is alive understands why there are there's a demarcation between male sports and female sports, and it, it's almost an insult to human intelligence to have to go down the list of why those classifications matter. Anyone who's been alive, anyone who's been on the earth for more than two years could probably articulate it. But apparently... Uh, the International Olympic Committee, the NCAA, and so many other sports organizations have completely capitulated to this very aggressive agenda, transsexual agenda. Look, if you want to, if you want to identify as whatever you want to do in the United States of America, you can pretty much do that, but that doesn't mean the rest of us have to play along with it. Um, and it's not a function of not respecting anybody or anything of, of that nature. It's a function of understanding science and common sense. I know it's invoked very often. The last time I was on your show, I had somebody from Alliance Defending Freedom to talk about this, this uh, issue. But uh, Allison Felix is the best sprinter in the, in the world right now, um, or at least she was up until the last Olympics, and she set every single sprint record there, there is. She's a superstar. But the fact of the matter is there are about 200 high school boys in the United States alone who would obliterate her in a race, high school boys. She'd have no chance if these distinctions were, were erased. Um, there are advantages that are gained by males naturally from birth, from even before birth, there's an influx of testosterone, 
during the embryonic stages, they give advantages, heavier musculature, heavier bone structure, uh, longer um, uh, limbs, all kinds of things that despite the fact that you may completely, quote unquote, transition at a certain age, those things are advantages that can't be changed or reduced. And even a mediocre athlete, male athlete, is going to beat the best of the best female athletes. This is a prescription. Aside from, you know, destroying female sports, it's destroying common sense. When we start to accept things like this, um, we are accepting uh, that anything is, is, is possible in terms of complete lunacy. Uh, the, for a long time, totalitarian regimes, whether it be the Soviet Union, Communist China, it was even to some extent in Nazi Germany, what they would do is try to get the populace to accept absurd propositions that seemingly were innocuous, didn't have any real-world implications. And if they can get you to accept one absurd proposition, they can get you to accept any kind of absurd proposition. And one of the most absurd propositions, of course, is that Marxism works. So they would start in a small, in fact, if you read Darkness at Noon, it, it pretty much is about that. And, and, you know, Solzhenitsyn's various works are about that. Nonetheless, here we are with an incredibly on-its-face absurd proposition. Everybody knows it's absurd, yet we are being browbeaten to accept it. And it's doing considerable harm to society in general, <clears throat> but more specifically to female athletes. Um, you know, let me I, let me let me interrupt. The, let me interrupt with one thing. You said that um, you know you, you you don't don't want to stop anybody from doing whatever they want to do, but don't expect me to affirm it. Don't expect me to celebrate it. Don't expect expect me to march in your parade. I'm paraphrasing you there. I'm adding it a little bit, but that's exactly what they demand. This is in in many ways identical to critical race theory. We'll call it critical, you know, homophobia theory or or anti-homophobia, anti-racism, anti-homophobia, because that's exactly the same thing that Kendi teaches about race. You cannot just be in the middle and say, I don't dislike any color and I'm not getting involved in any of this, because if you're not actively anti-racist, you are committing racism against the minority subgroup. Same thing here. If you're not actively supportive of the trans agenda, including the destruction of women's sports, then you are uh, participating in uh, you know homophobia and 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 transphobia. Yeah, and and that's nothing could be further from the truth. But you know we should be champions for the truth and common sense here, and it's difficult to do because in today's woke America, a lot of well-meaning people and people who are not cowards nonetheless have families to feed. They've got careers that they need to preserve in order to uh, feed those families. And today, the hegemony is, you know, the, the, the entire woke culture. And you can get canceled for it. You can lose your job. You can lose your contracts. And people are very nervous about that. They're not cowards. But, you know, if you have to feed your family, uh, it's irresponsible to do something on, on something that, you know, doesn't affect you directly. It's irresponsible for you to jeopardize your means of feeding your family. Mm-hmm. And the woke crowd understands that. And they are using that to, as a cudgel to make sure people conform. Because the only way you can get people to accept something as absurd as men competing in sports against women is to make sure that the consequences of any kind of departure from that are just devastating to the person. And that's what's happening right now. Um, 
more and more female athletes are coming out saying, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, you, you think most clearly about the, uh, or, or most readily about the female high school athletes in Connecticut. All these individuals, you know, you, you know my daughter uh, participated in sports, and, you know, your kids participate in sports. You see how much time and, and uh, effort goes into that, and they think that they may have a chance of prevailing, and their efforts are going to reach some type of fruition, and then all of a sudden, you introduce a wild card like this. It's uh, unfair, to say the least, and adults need to step up. It's, it, look, it's easy to say that, but I fully recognize the difficulty in doing so, yet we must be unified in doing that just to preserve our sanity. Yeah, you know, you're, you're exactly right. And it's frustrating t- to me also, you know, as a dad of a daughter who was in, in sports and, and yours were as well. And, you know, it's, it's, there is the sense of satisfaction that I competed, that I won, that I set a record, that I'm recognized for my hard work. But we're talking at the Olympic level about money, too. You know, Olympic yeah. champions get endorsements from companies of all different types. And I'm not saying that every weightlifting gold medal is going to get an endorsement, and every sprinter, but they're there. Those opportunities are there. They're not there for the silver medalists. They're not there for the bronze medalists. Generally speaking, those people get claps, but they don't get dollars for their accomplishments by way of endorsements. So when you allow males to come in and compete against females and take gold medals away from deserving females, you are literally taking money out of the pockets, out of the hands of, of these female athletes who would have won gold otherwise. And I, I, I cannot see any LGBTQ uh, um, defender uh, defend that as being okay. If you're concerned about women at all, if you have any feelings about women, if you're a feminist at all, you have to be just screaming about this. Yeah, and, you know, it seems to me, and I don't know what the remedy is, but um, maintain the demarcation between males and females, and if there's no other way of accommodating uh, trans athletes, have a separate trans category for a 100-meter dash or for the shot put or or whatever it may be. They'll they'll never allow that because the the purpose here isn't to say, as a matter of fact, trans people, Pete, in the LGBT community do not want to be thought of as trans. They're not different. They literally say, I'm a woman. This is a male who, who is a trans woman. I am a woman. I deserve to be treated as such. That's why they will not go for third-party bathrooms. That's why they will not go for separate divisions in competition. I'm a woman. I get to use the women's bathroom. I don't care what my genitalia, what my chromosomes say. I get to use the women's lockers, women's showers, and, yes, compete on the women's team because I'm not some freak uh, third, third-party you know, type of being. I am just a woman. It's what my mind tells me and that's what they that's what they'll the only thing that they'll accept pete this has nothing to do with discrimination it has to do with fairness the fact of the matter is that the the differences in almost every athletic event between males and females is profound there's a reason why every athletic body bans performance enhancing substances such as testosterone steroids for the for and it's not even as pronounced as the difference between a trans male athlete and a female athlete, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, trans female athlete and a, and, a, and a female athlete. We've seen what the data show. Even those who have, um, you know, began transitioning very early in life have a distinct advantage in terms of muscle mass, bone length, etc. All the biological advantages that adhere to uh, being male in terms of physicality. And, and you can't erase those. 
No. It's just fundamentally unfair to do so. And it won't be long before, um, you know, the trans athletes set virtually all the records. They're already doing so in weightlifting and in other competitions, in, in, in racing, bicycle racing, for example. Um, and then what happens? Do you put a, an asterisk next, next to those so that any future participation by females is ranked against that? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's so frustrating. And if I, you see so many female athletes who are distraught about this. And yet, at, by the same token, so many of them that feel cowed into saying nothing about it. Uh, right. There's something wrong with a society that causes people to keep their heads down, despite the fact that it's manifestly unfair to have such competitions. Uh, where are the adults? Yeah, well, the adults are affirming, the, depending on what side they're on, they're affirming their trans kids and uh, and saying this is the way to go. Pete, I'm going to throw one last one at you here real quick because it's in the same vein, uh, and you can be quick on this if you want. Um there's another trans Olympic athlete that's going to be competing in this, uh, in this Olympics. Um, I guess he is an alternate in the, on the women's team. And I'm going to continue to say he because I will not dignify the, uh, psychological delusions of other people. Um, his name is, uh, Chelsea Wolf. And apparently Chelsea is a BMX rider and made the Olympic team, the American Olympic team, as an alternate. So not likely to win gold or to win a medal. But what Chelsea wrote on Facebook um, just about a year ago was that, quote, my goal is to win the Olympics so I can burn a U.S. flag on the podium. She was apparently upset, or he was apparently upset by, quote, this is what they focus on during a pandemic hurting trans children and what she, what uh, uh this person was talking about was what you and i are talking about not allowing uh biological males to destroy women's sports by competing in them so in response to that he said my goal is to win the olympics so i can burn a u.s flag on the podium so pete kirsten now real quick should that person be removed from the olympic team right now on principle <laughs> you, you can't know, take that chance right you know, in the United States of America today, we're accepting all manner of depredations to our, our, our civic ethos. Um, I think the United States of America is, I don't think it, the United States of America is the greatest country in the history of the world. We provide such broad birth to everybody to envision what they want to be and how to get there. Okay, uh, you can do and say almost everything. We allow you to protest. We allow you to desecrate the flag. We do all kinds of things. At some point, I think it might make sense for us to return to patriotism. That's not something that I, I, is that a bad word now? Is there something wrong with that? Can we ask people to behave in a responsible fashion anymore? Is that okay? Uh, apparently not. We have gone into a, a twilight zone era in the last few years, and I'm not sure when we're going to emerge or if we're going to emerge. I mean, this goes far beyond what this guy wants to do or female. I don't even know. I, I, I don't know the circumstances of this individual, and I don't even know what pronouns to use anymore. That's where we are. This is how, I, I don't I know do. what to say anymore. I do. I'm following science. We're told by the left, science, 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 science. So if somebody is a biological male, I don't care how they do their hair or what color lipstick they wear. They're a biological male. That's a he. That's a him. That's the way I roll. Amazing. So here we are. Um, We've got, put it this way, we have major problems on the horizon right now. We've got China. We've got inflation. We've got a president that doesn't know what day it is. (laughs) 
And we can't even look at something and call it what it is anymore. And we've, we've got to bend our norms to accommodate. Indiv- look, the, one of the great things about the United States of America is you can express your individuality and we try to accommodate you as much as you can. But there comes a point where, you know what? Your individual views or your individual preferences have to yield to the larger good. It, do, it hardly ever happens in the United States of America. So we does, do give you a broad berth. But, you know, it's not all about you. It's not all about you. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to end this segment. Peter Kersenow, as always, terrific analysis. Thank you very much, my friend. We'll talk to you again next week. Take care, Bob. 1052 now, pushing up on 1053. I've got time for a few phone calls on the other side. If you want to make them now, at 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. This is Paul Shaneman from Mentor. I support President Trump. Even though DeSantis and even Mr. Abbott are good governors, they are still politicians. Mr. Trump is not. That is why I support President Trump. Thank you. Good morning, Bob. This is Pipeline Jimmy. John Stover's crazy brother-in-law from the heart of Jim Jordan country in West Central Ohio. Have to disagree with you on the Trump impeachment possibilities down the road. If we have the House and Senate, Donald Trump won't come close to getting impeached. Instead, he'll be doing the impeaching. Let's elect Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis on our next ticket. Take care, Bob. DeSantis 2024. Let's all get behind him, and let's get this country back on track. Hi, Bob. Listen, uh, as far as the next election go, until they clean up the voting irregularities in these several states, I don't think it matters who runs. But if they do, Trump, DeSantis would be a powerhouse team. Thank you. Bye. Hey, Bob, just heard somebody say they wanted Pompeo to be DeSantis's vice president. Wanted to say, no way for me, the ticket would be DeSantis, Tim Scott, all the way. I think that's a winner, winner. Um, and again, put Trump down in a seat down in Florida, and that would just be a pipe dream. Hi, Bob. Well, you're part of the media, and you're starting to show that a little bit. If you think that uh, we don't have our skin tough enough to live through another great Trump administration. Come on now. (laughs) Keep them coming. Those are the messages we continue to get in our straw poll. Who do you like? 216-525-1806. Leave a message. We'll see you tomorrow.